All right, uh, that was through the magic of editing. That was Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues, my absolute favorite Christmas song. So uh, that brings us here to episode 21 of the Chance of Gaming podcast. And with me always are Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich coming from St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm uh, Roy from Holland, Michigan. Um, and good evening. <laughs> Yeah, uh, when we get we'll get to you guys' addresses in just a minute and the reason for things and whatnot. So anyway, <laughs> uh, one last appeal for uh, my GoFundMe, which is uh, golly, we have ra- actually raised some money this week, and I was super excited. Uh, we have reached fifty dollars of our hundred and fifty dollar goal. So. I would like to, you know, just get a little bit more. This is my last appeal. If you like us, it'll be in the link in the show notes. There you go. And, um, yeah, because I already paid the posting bill, uh, I think, yesterday. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so, yeah, it'd be nice. Just, what, this is my last time. Last toss it out there and see what you do. So you've got a GoFundMe for one time and also a Patreon for ongoing. Is that correct? Right, right. But I don't really push the Patreon because I don't really know what, to do with it mostly and yeah but i don't know it, once we get those 2000 um viewers an episode that's when we'll start pushing the patreon <laughs> the more yeah and then and then they can get to that high level where they can come drink a beer with you yeah yeah absolutely for eight thousand dollars i'll fly you in and put you up at the finest holiday inn yeah great that's eight thousand a month by the way two two month minimum fly fly you in coach be nice all right, and uh, my D&D Under the Tree has gone. It's gone. I will say that. Um, that uh, It's been, I don't know, it's kind of like half yay, half cluster kind of deal, but it, it's actually worked. Uh, the guy at my local shop got hand, foot, and mouth disease from his kid. Um, I don't know, you guys have kids. You should be familiar with it. I know I have, and I knew I was smart enough to um, to not get it. But um, <laughs> he was out for like two, like ten days or something like that. Uh, oh, he had, he caught it on vacation, and then was like out for like ten days. Like he, you know, he almost like lost all his fingernails and toenails and all that stuff. It's pretty awful for adults to get. Yeah. So anyway, so that delayed the whole thing for me, and uh, yeah, but as of, I think, I was at the shop last night, I think they have five left that they're going to give out, and uh, that'll be it. So yeah, it was just me giving away starters, uh, D&D starters. If you've done it, I'd love to uh, to know about it, so just uh, drop me a line at chanceofgaming at gmail, or uh, chanceofgaming at twitter, you know, so there you go. And we always start out the show with what have we been playing and uh, for me, uh, it's it's been Flames of War. I was in a Flames of War tournament last night that wasn't ran the best, but it was still fun to play. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've done that. I've been very happy to see that get off the ground this year. Very excited for it to actually happen. It's something I've wanted to happen at my local shop forever. And uh, So is this with painted models of yours? Yes, yes. These All are right. these are the ones I waited on forever and a day for the, to get done. And Dad Gummit, so they were out, and I got them. And yeah, I've been playing as much as I can. So, so what's your army like? Uh, I'm doing an an armored company of uh, British in uh, 
from North Africa, and I decided to do mostly Churchills. Just because I just like the tank, because in later in the war they actually get flame they get flamethrowers. They're called crocodiles. There is a flamethrower tank, so I thought that was really cool. But apparently what I didn't know, everybody's like looking at my and, and see, it was a fifty point list. And in my fifty point list I had three tanks, two anti tank guns. At a flight of planes. That's it. That's a 50-point list. Your average list in um, Flames of War is 109 points. So, basically, at half that list, I, you know, it's very tiny. And, you know, I'm facing guys that have these huge hordes of infantry and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, wow. You know, I'm not going to do well. I only have three tanks. And everybody's like, mm, you brought Churchills? How rude. And I'm like, what? They're like, is, is that the broken unit? Uh, well, it's like, well, my army cannot do anything. It can't bust the armor on those things. And I'm like, <laughs> I just, I'm like, I just like them, you know. I just, I, you know, I trust me. I'm never ever anybody to gain the system because I don't know what I'm doing ever. You know. They so, wanted you to fight a civil war, yes. not a yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, or, or they'd have, like, one unit that could do it. And once I eliminated that, yeah, that was it. I was the only person that brought planes, too, which are great. Mm-hmm. You have, On a 4-plus, on a D6, they can come in anywhere you want. So I'm putting them right behind tanks to hit the rear armor or right on top of, um, you know, the, this big group of infantry you've got over here. And so, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I guess it's like, well, you know, I did play this game from first through, you know, third edition, so <laughs> maybe, you know, I guess unconsciously I knew a little bit about it, but I was never good at it, you know, I never, you know I don't know, I, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing, but apparently I did I'm sorry. So Now yeah. that you're cheating <laughs> Sorry Sorry sorry. I won, I didn't I honestly didn't mean to And um, the other thing uh, we've been getting, trying to get off the ground is Cruel Seas. I've been talking about that for a while on the show. And one thing I wanted to mention here that has kind of got the internet up in arms is an errata for the game came out. Now, this game has only been out, like, for, like, two weeks, and a 10-page errata came out. How does that happen? I don't know. That's what everybody's saying is like extent. Everybody's going like extensively play tested my ass. You know what? What kind of bullshit is this? You know that you should not have a game that is two weeks old with a ten page errata. But there it is, man. Damn, I hate to hear that too because you know how hard it is. And I'm, I'm talking to you companies out there. Do you have any idea how hard it is to get people to play your game? When you do stuff like this, like, you know, I think it's cool. I love the idea of it. I love the period. I love the ships, the scale, everything about it. But me trying to push it, some guy's going to look at this and look it up on the Internet and go, oh, it's got a 10-page errata after only being out 14 days. You know, oh, that game must be terrible. So I don't want to play it. So, I mean, I, ugh. I swear, it's yeah. I don't know. I don't. I haven't even looked at it because I haven't played a game yet. But uh, yeah, the general consensus on the internet is, hmm, nope. <laughs> so did did you do you have this or do you know someone that has it? 
uh, I got the store stocked it thanks okay. to me, and I actually bought the starter for it. And oh, okay. a, another guy at the store has bought it. And, and see, I have plans to buy other stuff. I want the Russian fleet box. You know, I want to build up my British and German forces that are in the uh, the starter. You know. Okay. Because I yeah, we've been talking about this one quite a bit, but I have not seen this one at all in town. So I was just curious. Hmm. I guess they'll get it at a miniature market sooner or later. That should be you would think demos. so. Yeah, you would think so, but I haven't seen it there, so. So, uh, the, I guess the last thing I wanted to mention was I sent off some Christmas presents to two very good boys, and they came in. Yes, I guess I was a good boy because I got my Christmas present early. I was surprised to see that, actually. I yeah, um, I was, too. Yeah, I don't know if they're st- if they still were not in stock, you know, in your area, but my store got it was sold out the same time we recorded the last episode and we talked about it being you guys talked about it being sold out. It was sold out in my area too. And like 3 days after that, they got in another box. And I'm like, "Oh, cool. I'll you know, I'll grab these." Now, did sit. they have the uh, the starters? Because well, as yeah. far as I know, the starter is not available anywhere. Uh-oh. Right, that's the situation we're here in St. Louis. Is I the starters are not available, but they do have some decks available. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, no, no start. We have no starters. Uh, I'm, yeah, I guess. Wow, I got. I, I think I was the only one at my store to buy one because everybody else is using the little proxies for, um, you know, the little disc and the amber and all that or they're you know they're going to etsy and you know because people are their whole cottage industry has sprung up around this printing them out Mm -hmm. yeah so i just got mine i guess a few days ago i haven't i've looked it up to see what what goofy name the deck was um but i haven't had a chance to play it yet i assume you can if you don't have the starter kit you can get the rules online how does that work yes i'm I'm almost positive you can yeah there are some youtube videos that that have uh, watch it played has a yeah, yeah. I do know one. My one of my local stores has. Uh, I think they have a a, a Keyforge Knight. So I'm probably going to take my deck up there sometime. And obviously, if someone else is playing, they'll know the rules as well. So. So the deck that I got from Adam, the the name of the uh, of the Archon is called the Boring Yasmin of the Ziggurat, which <laughs> I w- thought was quite the hoot. Um, and so um, a a friend that has some decks he said looked at my deck he said i've got maybe maybe five cards that are the same uh of what you have here he has the same faction he's they only overlap just a tiny little bit um so as far as the yeah the 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 playability and the the fact that there's several i don't know quintillion versions of a deck um is pretty interesting yeah, I don't have mine in front of me right now, but you would have to follow me on Twitter if you want to see what the name is, because I cannot pronounce it. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of consonants in there, as I recall. Yeah. <laughs> now, when I actually went to mail those, you know, at this time of year, the post office is a freaking nightmare. And at least in my area, honestly, the post office is a nightmare any day of the week, because there's always a line out the door, and there's like one person working. So I go in, and they have the little self-service machine, you know, where you go over there, you weigh it, 
and you tell it, you know, what you've got, and it'll it'll print out, you know, whatever you pay for it, and you just toss it in the thing, and there you go, off. So I went to do that with you two guys' things. Um, I did Richards, and it worked fine, but it could not find Roy's address. It's like, no, this isn't real. This is not oh, no. real. This is not a real address. What are you trying to do? Where, where are you trying to send this to? <laughs> So I ended up having to get in line, and when I got up to the thing, it, they actually gave me a cheaper option to to mail it. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take that, and I just sent it. And so that's why Richard got his earlier, because gotcha. his went, like, priority, <laughs> and, and Roy's went, like, you know, first class. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... That's why I guess technically I'm closer to you as also, so maybe uh, that helps. That is true. That is true. So, uh, Rich, take us through what you've been playing. So uh, last week at STL War Gamers, uh, St. Louis Historical Gaming Society, we played a game called Hunta. Uh, have you guys heard of this one before? It's a pretty old game. It's been through several versions. I think I have. Yeah. I so have. it's um it started off. I mean. The, the version we played, I think we played the second version of it, which I think was really just like a reprinting from a new publisher. But um, you basically, it's uh, you you play the uh, the leaders of a small banana banana republic country. In fact, I think in the game that it's it's a very tongue in cheek game, and the artwork is hilarious. The name of the country that you're running, I think, is called like Republico de Bananas or something like that. <laughs> um, but one player gets to play the president and then he gets to assign all of the other roles to all of the other players. So there's like, there's three, three armies that each need a general. There's the head of the secret police. There's the air force and there's the Navy. I think that's it. Um, so you get to assign the roles out however you see fit based on who you like and who's been friends with you and who's been sending cash your way the whole game and this and that. Um, and the, the goal of the game is to get as much money as possible into your secret Swiss bank account. I have um, heard of this. Yeah. yeah. So, but the only way to get the money from your hand into the account is to go to the bank. So often when you go to the bank, there's somebody waiting there to assassinate you. So the whole game is about um, coups and political rivalries, trying to become the president or like, I've never played the president the whole game. I just played the other roles. I, um, and I, I didn't win either, but uh, it's it very much reminded me. We talked about a game a few months ago, uh, Chile 73, where you're trying to get forces on your side in in anticipation of a coup happening. So, you know, you need to control the army or maybe control the Air Force or control the student demonstrate demonstrators sometimes. Um, and this game was a lot more tongue in cheek is not as sort of serious as Chile 73, but it was actually a better game. I enjoyed this one a lot more. The artwork on the cards is hilarious. And the whole game, I mean, we were just all sitting around the table, just laughing the whole time. We were stabbing each other in the back and killing each other. So, um, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to let you do this because you killed me. It's like, yeah, but you killed me first. So um, it was a the... lot of fun. Yeah. What's that? I said, isn't this a game of ships with a pair of sunglasses? If it there's... did, I did not see those. Like okay. I said, the, yeah, I know there's been multiple printings of it, and the guy that brought it actually brought two different versions of it, um, which 
he did mostly because he likes to mix the components. Um, the only thing that I would say was negative about it is it, it just went on a little too long. And maybe maybe it's just because it was our first time we would go faster, but we went uh, over five hours. And oh, it my felt, goodness. Yeah, it felt like three hours probably would have been about perfect for that game. So that was my only complaint about it. It was a lot of fun. I would I would definitely play it once a year or so. It's not something I would want to play every month like – there are some other really long games that I would definitely play every month. This isn't one of them, but it was a lot of fun. Now, according to Board Game Geek, uh, Junta Viva El Presidente from Z-Man is the one that shipped with uh, sunglasses. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Which sounds very original, very <laughs> awesome. You know? Yeah, and I I don't think Viva El Presidente is the version we played. I think we played the the second printing of it. And I think yeah. that's the third one. There's been definitely a lot of them. Yeah, this was from yeah, this was from like 2010, and then there was La Cartas, and then um, yeah. So, yeah, I think wow. this this might even go back to like I think maybe it was an SPI game originally, so it goes back to 70s or 80s, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So it's an old game, but it was fun. And then a newer game, obviously much newer. I got to play Colonial Twilight, uh, which is a coin game, uh, counterinsurgency, GMT game. So those are the games that Volko Runka um, came up with. And this one was, I think Volko and Brian Train made this one. So this is the French-Algerian War. It's the only two-player coin game, which is probably the reason that I've played this more than any other coin game. Um, it's not my favorite. My favorite is Falling Sky, but this one's... A lot of fun and gets on my table more because it's two player. So uh, we played that one and had a good time with that. Uh, I played the uh, I played the French government this time. I think the Algerians have a slight advantage in this game, but I was able to win as the French. So uh, that was fun. And then what else did I play? I played. Uh, oh, I got to play Advanced Squad Leader again. I've got a, a friend of mine and a listener, Bruce, if you're listening. I think I've got him hooked on Advanced Squad Leader now which is good because it's always good to have somebody in town playing it. And I still don't have your t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce has my t-shirt is what you're saying. No, don't blame Bruce. Don't, uh, I think, I think I'll probably see Jim in January. So hopefully I'll get it for you then. Now on, on that note, uh, advanced squad leader, that is, huh? I did, I did see where red factories, the map, people are starting to see the map you know, online and whatnot. People yeah. Post, posting pictures of that. So that's getting close. And uh, I know, I think uh, MMP has gotten, uh, what is it, a starter kit two? All, all the starter kits are, are restocked. I know personally I, I need two. I think I they're two. all in stock. And I also saw that uh, they're taking pre-orders for, for King and Country now, which oh, is the British that's, Order that's of Battle. Brits. Dad, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah. have to Still no, still no word on Quadigar, which I know you're looking for, but well, I did hear they're taking pre-orders for King and Country. Yeah, dang, I'll have to get that through. I'll get it through NWS, and of course he's hemming and hawing over, uh, you know, board. He wants to. The weird thing is, like, the dude wants to like drop board games. Yeah, and didn't he announce that he was going to, like, he's, over the he, summer? I think. Yeah, every time he does. We're all like, no, please stop. You are literally the cheapest place ever anywhere in the world to buy this stuff. We want to, we don't care that it takes you three months to get it or whatever. We don't care. 
but the fact that you're you're saving me a staggering amount of money by by ordering it through you. Yeah, because so, he sells everything at like pre-order prices, but you could buy it after it's been out. It, yeah, it is pretty cheap, and I know what sucks. Well, like, because like with him, uh, a couple of months ago, I there was a, in fact the last issue of uh, War Games Illustrated came with a free um, miniature from Cruel Seas, and so I wanted to get it through him uh, because that's the only place I could find online that that I could get it from. And I'm like, cool, you know, man, I want to get this in because I want to show my, my local shop and, uh, you know, what these things are going to look like. And, you know, the damn game has already came out now. I don't need it now. But I ordered it and a copy of Maori Wars just to for because if I'm going to order for something, damn it, I'll just order something. But it still hasn't shipped, which is disappointing. <laughs> now, see, I pre-ordered uh, Red Factories through him, and I think I paid 105 or, or 95 I think he has it listed. Yeah, that's super cheap. Yeah. And he currently has King and Country listed for 79 So that's pr- – yeah. I, wow, that's – 79 for a full ASO module is really cheap. Yeah, so so you know we we constantly are like no please continue to yeah. to to stock this we really need it thank please and thank you yeah do you still have that copy of Rising Sun Adam uh it is still at my local store you know still at your yeah. local store yeah I well, uh, I'll, I'll I'll email you I think I know someone that's interested <laughs> okay uh yeah because I mean I could I could do it pretty easy you know uh yeah I I can get that done. And uh, yeah, I think he'd take like 150 for it, I think. But wow, you know, we'll we'll see. Because he did have it up there, but I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, sorry. I might have to we're, take you up on that then. <laughs> we're st- we're stepping on Roy's time here. He's going to tell us about Seven Wonders Duel with Pantheon. Oh, that's all good. So uh, Seven Wonders, well, some the basic Seven Wonders can play up to I believe eight players. Seven Wonders Duel is a two-player game. Um, so have either of you played Seven Wonders Duel? I have played it with and without Pantheon, yes. Okay. So I just I actually know. just got done playing this just a little bit ago. So you have a um, – uh, it goes through three ages like Seven Wonders does. You have a Pantheon of cards that you – or a, a, a tableau of cards that you're drawing from. And then the Pantheon add-on kind of throws the gods into it. So it goes through – there's five different Pantheons. There's like uh, – there's Greek, Roman um, – I'm, oh, the uh, the Phoenicians have a have a thing in there too. Yeah, um, it's like Hittites or something like that. They're, yeah. they're all ancient. Yeah. So yeah, I just played this with my wife, and um, it's you know sometimes it's a little frustrating that like, man, I really want that card. So how can I finagle it so that I get that card? And so there was a a card that was covered. Uh, you, so you can the the cards overlap, and you can take them in order. Well, there's a particular card that my wife and I were both eyeballing, and if she took it, it was going to give her 10 coins, and if I took it, it was going to give me four coins. So we, like, nobody was going to take that card that would reveal that so somebody could take it. So with the Pantheon, it gives you an uh, an additional action where you can uh, purchase a god. And so we kept going back and forth trying to not take the card that would lead to the uncovering of the card that we both wanted. So it was funny to see that, like, 
okay, I'm out of I'm out of options now. I finally have to take this card, and then she took it and got the ten money. Um, but it's it's uh, it's fairly light. It's strategic. You can see half the cards are face up and half are face down, and uh, so you can kind of see what you might be uh, trying to dig out of the stack. Um, so you're going to, uh, with all of your resources, you collect a card that will give you stone or give you bricks. And then you can use the, the stone or bricks to build a wonder. So like to build um, the pyramids will uh, give you maybe some victory points and will give you maybe another turn or give you various uh, things like that. So you you're build up to seven wonders. So you, you draft four each. And after the seventh wonder, you can't build the eighth one. Um, so yeah, seven wonders duel. So Roy, have you played it with and without Pantheon? Yes. Okay. Yep. Well, how, what do you like better? Uh, we typically play it with the Pantheon just because, like, all the the parts from the Pantheon are shuffled in there, and it'd be a hassle to oh yeah, yeah. to sort them out. Yeah. That's so. Oh, I've yeah? played it both ways, and I still do play it both ways, but I think I actually prefer it without. Ah. This is one of the few expansions to a game that I kind of, I just, it, it to me, it it adds complexity without adding entertainment. Ah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And yeah. I think that, the like, the one, who's it, the, the green goddess, the snake one? I think Nisaba. that... Nisaba, yeah. Yeah, I think that she makes science overpowered as well, so... Like every time we play Pantheon, whoever gets her wins a science victory. So. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I should point out that there's three different ways to win. You can you can win on points, just whoever has the most points. You can also win militarily, because there's a there's a track on the board where, every time you play a military card, you move it up to three spots based on what the card says, and once you can move it all the way into your opponent's capital, you've essentially been invaded and you've won that way. So you can win militarily. You can also win on science, like Rich was talking about, where if you take, I forget the number, is it five? If you have five uh, science I, advancements, then you win? I thought it was six. You have to like have all six or something. But that, that, that green goddess, she allows you basically a wild card. Yeah. So it makes it a lot easier to win that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's there's three different ways that you can try to get a win. And so you have to be on guard in all three areas. Like, you know, okay, well, the, the armies are getting awfully close to my capital. I need to, maybe I need to grab a uh, military card and push them off a little bit. So, yes. Uh, uh, it's a good game, would... though. It's This is probably my favorite coffee shop game. Ah, Okay. You know, where you can you can play it in half hour, 45 minutes. It doesn't uh-huh. take up a lot of space. And, yeah, it's a good game. I like it. And uh, then I played Roll for the Galaxy, which I believe I mentioned before. There's Race for the Galaxy, which is all cards. Roll for the Galaxy is with dice. And you have a dice cup. And you are um, – you're basically, you're putting dice onto a card to, like, if you have a development or a planet, you can settle the planet or develop the development based on how many dice you put onto it. And so once you've completed it, um, so like a planet may say it needs three settlers to settle it. Once you get to three, then you can put that in your tableau, and you're playing to 12 tiles. Um, And different tiles give you different dice that you can put into your cup uh, and roll. 
And so based on what comes up is where you can place the and use the dice. So Roll for the Galaxy is a pretty light dice game. Uh, plays very quickly. If people are uh, are familiar with it, you can you can burn through a game in 45 minutes. Are so. Roll for the Galaxy and Race for the Galaxy related? Yes. Yep. Okay. They're in this. They're the same. It's the same sort of mechanics. Okay. Uh, Race for the Galaxy is a lot more involved as far as cards, and uh, takes quite a bit longer, I think. Oh, okay. So roll is like a lighter version of it. Yeah. So okay. it's. And it's a it's a role selection game like um, like San Juan like uh, Puerto Rico, well and like Race for the Galaxy. Okay. So, and then uh, I played uh, Ex Libris, which is a renegade game, and it's a game of cataloging your arcane library. So there's it's a worker placement. So you have three uh, apprentices that you send out to do various tasks. And you are laying cards down in a tableau. You can make it three high, and you get points based on what books you collect, um, how stable your shelves are. So, like, if you can place the – and you have to place them in al- alphabetical order. Um, so, like, I have some, some of the cards here. So I'm looking at L here, and there are, there are six L cards. And so each card has, has uh, you know, two, three, or four books. And so uh, I'm just going to read off some of the titles here. Um, Lost Languages of the Pointless Past. The Lonely Bones. Uh, Then I have, let's go to R. Rustiest Chains and Cages. Ruins for Ruination. Okay, and I'm going to go to, there's one I was looking for here. Um, I'm in B's. Burly Braids for Dwarven Beards. Uh, bureaucratic inaction in action. <laughs> so the, I think these titles are, are pretty funny. There's a, there's one called lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Um, from the, uh, from the video of the yeah. cosplay of the, uh, LARPers. Yep. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. <laughs> there's a, the throw, they're throwing the things at each other. Yeah. 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 Ketchup's yeah. many magical applications. So anyway, C or K. Under K. All right. <laughs> um, so anyway, these book titles are pretty funny. And uh, so you have to put them onto your shelf in order, uh, alphabetically. Um, so you're you're collecting books and building up your library. And uh, then at the end, there's a, there's a scoring round, of course, um, where you get points for there are notable works so each book is a different uh suit essentially so there's like there's monsters there's um corrupted something or other um so anyway ex libris is is uh kind of cute and in light and it's about uh being a librarian of wizard books yes let's see and then i played uh, formula d which uh, this is a dice game. It's a racing game. So there's there's several different maps for Formula D. And it's based on an, on an earlier game called Formula Day, which is in French. But that got me thinking about what... So we have Formula D and Formula Day. So what sort of game would Formula D Day be like? <laughs> it would be racing for sure. Yeah, race with tanks. Yeah. No, it would be those amphibious tanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, there'd be artillery strikes. This kind of sounds like Car Wars, I guess. Right. 
Yeah. Formula D's actually been on my list for a while. Um, you know, I've told you guys I really enjoyed um Downforce and mm-hmm. thought that was cool. And this one looks a lot like it. And there's another one, some uh NASCAR game that I swear GMT makes. Thunder Alley, something like that. I don't know. It sounds familiar. I've looked at uh Flamme Rouge, which is a bicycle racing game and I've thought about getting that one before i have no idea if the the mechanics to the from the bicycle racing to the car racing are similar or if they're totally different games but they kind of look the same to me yeah thunder alley by gmt games is designed by jeff horger and carla horger sorry for mutilating your names mr and mrs horger or maybe they're brother and sister i don't know regardless sorry uh but yeah thunder alley look cool and you yes i have been interested in that bicycle game as well because apparently bicycle games are like a thing and i just want to know why what what makes them them cool you know it's not what i you know would choose to buy but people seem to really like them yeah well i'm into cycling so um i I would be just thematically i'd be much more interested in a a bicycle race than a car race so but uh what do you think of the game roy was it was it worth so it's uh it uses a bunch of custom dice that goes from a D4 to a D30. And so each die corresponds to a gear. And so you have of course you have I think it's six gears. So first gear you roll the D4 and you do what it's I think it's 234. 22234 two, maybe. Um and then as you upshift, you roll a, a bigger dice. And so um there's as you go into a turn, you have to make so many stops within a turn, depending on how tight it is. So if it's a slight turn, maybe you have to take take one stop. If it's like a hairpin turn, maybe you have to stop three times, um, which will force you to to downshift. And then uh, there's a, a kind of a base game, a starter game, where all of the damage points are just there's like 20 damage points, and if you uh, crash into something or go too fast through a curb, then um, you deduct so many damage points, but the advanced game has break points and shift points and wear points and body points. And, uh, so you go around the, the track and if you're going multiple laps, you can pit and do repairs. Um, and you know, as far as what I think of the game, it's, it's interesting, but it's, um, I don't know. It's a little light, I guess, but it looks very nice. And you get to roll cool dice, a D30. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'd never heard of a D30. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So, Formula D. Oh, have you played Downforce at all? No, no, I've not. Okay. Yeah, it's I, I recommend it, uh, you know, because I play so very little. And <laughs> when I get something, I'm like, oh, this is so neat. All right. Uh, next thing we have is what's on your radar. It's just stuff that is kind of maybe out or about to be out or more than likely as a Kickstarter that's just come across your radar and we talk about it. And the first thing on here is Betrayal Legacy. So I put that on there. Uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill, which I believe I mentioned before. They now have a legacy game um, that I've been eyeballing. It's it's out now. Um, and it, so it plays over the course of several decades and the house changes as you, uh, depending on what decade you're in. So it's, it's, uh, 
you know, it's the same sort of thing as as pandemic legacy or risk legacy. Um, and I believe some of the same designers might be involved, too. Um, but and I, I quite like Betrayal at House on the Hill. So. Is this one of those games where you all start off co-op and then one person becomes a traitor? Yeah. OK. Yep. I wonder how that's going to work with a legacy game. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, but I, I would like to check it out. <clears throat> The Betrayal game has been really popular. They have, and I remember when it first came out and went out of print, it got really expensive. And then it's been, um, gosh, what was it? Avalon Hill that put out the original yeah. one? Yep. Yeah, and then I it's been. Was that old? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I, I remember it, golly, like fifteen years ago at least, hmm. and um. Yeah, it went out of print, got expensive, and then it's been back in print, and it's actually been available. You, you should pay around thirty bucks for it, thirty forty dollars, I, I want to say, and then it's been re-implemented in like Dungeons and Dragons because yeah. there's it's Baldur's like, Gate, yes, Betrayal at Baldur's <laughs> Gate, and a couple more I think. So yeah, I'm not surprised that they would uh, do a legacy game with that. It kind of makes sense from a. Um, money uh point of view so so uh the next thing we have is something i just stumbled on and that's how we get stuff on uh what's on your radar this is a uh i stumbled into this discussion on board game geek and this is from a company in poland that's putting out a couple of kind of quasi war games that seem kind of interesting or at least one of them is sort of a war game and the other one is just it it has a bear and but the, the, it is based on a odd historical event about the um the bear in uh world war Two that uh there were some poles in uh russia in world war Two, and um they befriended this bear and you know they gave him beer they they inducted him in the army the, yeah i've seen pictures private, of him yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of a, a, a game about that. And uh, I wish, you know, I could tell you more like if it's worker placement or movement or, or what, or, you know, it's an 18xx version. I don't know. But um, that's the thing is all this stuff comes directly from Poland. And you'll see my comment on there like, hey, can you get them in the U.S.? And they're like, eh, with the moment, you know, we, we don't have it, and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. They just seem kind of neat. I'm always kind of interested in abstract kind of, you know, war games, something that's different and something kind of small. But I uh, I really like the uh, Nipolega or whatever. It's essentially the end. It, this is the, the first one on here, and it's the end of the First World War, or it's coming to the end. And um, this is a disagreement between the Kingdom of Prussia and the Russian Empire. And uh, so, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of neat. It's, uh, I think this is actually published by Poland's Institute of National Remembrance to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the rebirth of Poland, so. Yeah, I'm always interested in seeing anything that's from a, a completely different point of view, so that looks interesting to me. I swear, I mean, it really looks like a Hollandspiel game to me, like it would fit perfectly for them, you know. It's, <laughs> it looks small, it looks neat, and yeah, so, I don't know. Just gonna toss it on here, see what you thought. <clears throat> and um what's the next thing? oh yes folklore the affliction you may or may not know i'm a big fan of dungeon crawlers 
And apparently, this Daggum thing is the hottest dungeon crawler right now. It was a Kickstarter that apparently has made its way to retail. Have you guys heard anything about this game at all? I haven't heard anything about it, no. No. It um it has like two different kind of ways that you play. Uh, have you played uh, Fury of Dracula, either one of you? No, no, I've seen that around though. Yeah, I, I don't know what you call that type of game where you're kind of just jumping all over a map. And it, it reminds me of like old school role playing games where you like the Legend of Zelda where you walked around like Zelda two. Yeah. Where you walk where you walked around on the map until like a bad guy hit you and then you go into a different area and you fight. It it it's kind of like that. It's you're moving around on the map trying to do things. You're trying to um you find and destroy the source of evil that is spreading its claws into the heart of the land, decimating its people and resources. Free the denizens from the scourge of vampirism and lycanthropy. And I can't pronounce that. And expand your powers and abilities. Are you a survivor? Or will you play as your ghost? Or will you fall to the bloodlust and the taint of lycanthropy yourself? You said taint. I know, I did. (laughs) And also, I think I dropped a a syllable off lycanthropy. Like lycanthropy? We're we're just going to let you dig that hole deeper. Yeah, I know. Just digging it. So, yeah, this thing is, like, super hot in the... um, the uh, dungeon crawl world right now, and uh, the miniatures look really cool. However, there is a second edition of it that does not come with the miniatures, and I'm assuming it's cheaper, or it or the Kickstarter edition came with miniatures, and um, this version comes with standees. I will say you can get the miniatures separately because I ran into them last night at uh, my local gaming store. I'm like, you ha- you guys have this? And it's a very small box, and uh, it apparently comes with like 48 miniatures or whatever crammed in it. And uh, I, I think MSRP on this version with the stand-in, the, the stand-ups are uh, 67, which uh, isn't bad. Let's see, looking at on Amazon right now, it is currently unavailable. <laughs> so Folklore of the Affliction... That's what it's called, uh, and I'm very, very interested in it. But dadgummit, I've been really cleaning out my garage in the past week or so, and um, <laughs> dadgummit, I yeah, I have too many board games that I have never played, so I that's shouldn't buy a, things. That's not a bad price just for the minis, though. No, no, no. Uh, at $67, it does not come with the miniatures. Oh, it it do- okay. With, yeah. And they're sold separately. But uh, I'm not sure like what just the miniature pack cost. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, the next thing we have... <laughs> I believe this is the second time we've talked about Carthoon Lands of Conflict. Is that right? Yeah, I've yeah. mentioned it a few times. Uh, mostly just as far as what, do you, what have you been playing, so... Well, and that's why I put it on there because uh, on Friday we had a white elephant exchange, and this is one of the one of the books that was circulating. I thought, boy, Rich has talked about that. I think I want that. I want to check that out. So I have a copy of Carthoon Lands of Conflict now, which is the is that the beginning source book? I think that's the only source book for that is one because it's. I thought there was a yeah, GM's guide too. I don't think so. I think it's just the setting. And then for the system, you can just play uh, probably within reason, but whatever you want. Yeah. We use it with d- fifth edition D and D, and it it works, you know, just fine. Um, it's uh, I mean, I would say that th- so there are 
a bunch of unique races in the Carthoon book. And in D&D, when you make your character, there are actual racial bonuses and everything. So if you mm-hmm. wanted to do that, you would have to, you know, either like just get rid of the racial bonuses or map them up the best way you can, the best way you can, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we play it with fifth edition D&D. It would play just fine with pretty much any any fantasy role playing system, I think. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, I have a copy of this now, and so I've started reading through it a little bit. Yeah, there's there's some neat stuff in there. I like the uh, I like the races, and there's tons of background for uh, you know the the guy that's DMing this system for us is is really into it, so he's absorbed it all to make a story in that in that world, and we're mm-hmm. having fun. Okay, cool. But I'll yeah I'll I want to get involved too. <laughs> <laughs> Roy wants to play. Yep. Now, I will say this comes from Evil Hat Productions, and um, I wanted to point out a couple of things. Number one, uh, they make Dresden Files, uh, the the cooperative card game. I just bought that on Steam. I think it's uh, it's at half off, and I think it's 10 bucks. Oh, wow. I've played that a few times. I don't know if it's any good, but I'm a fan of the Dresden Files, uh-huh. so I just wanted to give it a shot. And they are also the uh, the ones that make um, was it Blades in the Dark? Everybody loves yes, it's Maybe. Blades in the Dark. Okay. Yeah, uh, and people seem to love that game for whatever reason right now. I mean, they're also this is also the company that does Fate and blah blah blah. But I just know Blades in the Dark is super popular. So uh, yeah, so they make that. Hmm. That's definitely going to be uh, on my list, you know, for like Christmas money. I've I've looked over at like drive through RPG and I'm like eh say so I kind of want uh, adding it to my cart like hmm okay I'm hoping for a sale let's put this in here and this in here and there you go anyway so moving on this is uh there is a new game coming out from Warlord Games called Warlords of Erewhon Erewhon it's nowhere oh. backwards oh it is <laughs> it absolutely is it is nowhere backwards okay. Well, kudos to you. I think Rick Priestley wrote this, or, uh, yeah. Anyway, essentially what this is, is this is Warlord doing a fantasy version of um, their Gates of Antares, their uh, sci-fi game, which is a sci-fi version of, black, uh, not Black Powder, uh, action. Bolt Action. Yeah. Yeah, and see, that's the other thing. Uh, my friend was telling me about uh, Cruel Seas. It uses that same dice mechanic where each unit that you get, you get one dice for it, and it's all dropped into a communal bag. And so the game plays with I draw a dice, and then you draw a dice. So, And if I don't draw one of mine, you go twice. Oh. Yeah, that's how bolt action works. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it it'll be that same way. So, uh, to me, it's you know I'm I'm very impressed that a company is you know is willing to get into fantasy. Oh well, I was impressed with the fact that they do Gates of Antares, you know, and and compete with like 40k, but this way they're competing with uh, Age of Sigmar as well. Not to mention that, but there's like Mantic is the other big company that is producing a uh, fantasy uh, set. So it, I really wish they had just done like a smaller scale or something. Because to me, 28mm fantasy is really crowded at the moment. I mean, I wish the guys luck, but we'll see. And I also would love to uh, interview uh, so, Priestley. 
Yeah. Does this look like the same scale as Bolt Action? Yeah, yeah, it should be. It should be oh, okay. Okay, because yeah. I've seen that one played, so I got, you know, an idea in my mind of what that looks like on the table. Yeah, and essentially, like, Bolt Action is kind of large-scale skirmish, and I'm what which... I'm, wondering is, is this going to play that same way where it's just you've got like just basically three units it's not like a huge mess like the games workshop type games which i'm dipping my toe back into but uh i'm doing it through the kill team rule set and uh there was another one i'm kind of interested in but you know i would yeah it's another 40k army i'm wanting to do just because i have an idea but I don't want to play these big giant games, you know. I don't. I really think the uh, size of the table is too big, and the models are too big at the level they're playing at. You know, guys are playing like eighteen hundred points and stuff like that, and the damn table's just covered in stuff, and they're just two feet from each other. I don't know. I don't <laughs> like it. So I want to play for smaller stuff, fifteen hundred points or so. So moving on. The next thing we had, this is a Kickstarter. They came from beneath the sea, a tabletop role-playing game. Now, I dig that. I dig the setting. And uh, I really think it's cool. I kind of wish like it had like some miniatures and stuff included with it. But it doesn't. I mean, it's basically just a role-playing game. And um, but it's, uh, to me, it's Pulp 50s. Yeah, it is, and I, I really dig that. But it, the price wise, the the price thing kind of isn't there for me. For like twenty five bucks, you get the PDF, and then you get um, there's some cinematic cards. You get the early access PDF and access the manual manuscript preview updates. Eh, it's just, and it it won't even deliver until March 2020. So this is kind of something I'll keep my eye on. It is funded at this point as we record this podcast. They wanted 20 grand, they have 25 grand and they have 31 days left to go. So you know it's I think it's something I'd rather pick up on a sale from drive through RPG. So there you go. Looks like you can get the hardcover rule book for 50 though and I mean that's that's normal going price for a hardcover rpg book that is true you know of course you are you can you argue at that point you know well you know you can get it from miniature market for 20 percent less than that or blah or whatever you know or i swear amazon's being the big the big guy uh this december man if you want anything dungeons and dragons i if if, if you can hear the sound of my voice hop on amazon right now <laughs> it is it's it's it will be at least 40% off they're damn near giving things away on there it's crazy and for whatever reason they're just yeah dumping a bunch of stuff out anyway uh, the next one we had was Atlantis Miniatures. Ran into this talking to a guy on Twitter, because I saw him painting some of these, the dwarves, and they look amazing. These figures look really, really cool. And I think this is some kind of kind of like boutique-type miniatures uh, company, something. Uh, I mean, they look really nice, but, I mean, they're not expensive either, so I kind of hesitate to call them like a boutique kind of like Kingdom Death kind of thing. I mean, some of them are big and expensive, but like just their regular dwarves, 
which is what I'm interested in, is they're about eight bucks. Uh, I think they're yeah they're like seven dollars and fifty nine cents uh, American, and for just one, that's a little you know maybe a little high, but I mean the sculpts are amazing looking. I mean there's several of these that I want, but yeah. you know um, there's even a dwarf a female vill- villager with a baby. <laughs> How often do you see that uh, sculpted nowadays? <laughs> um, that is it in some like horrific way like kingdom death or something but uh like the female dwarf unit looks really neat uh there's 10 of them i would totally have bought that i mean they're sold out i wonder if they'll you know they'll come back in or if they're limited there's an armored bear i fell in love with armored bears with what was that dumb movie um the golden compass oh yeah yeah a smart ass bear in armor so yeah that was cool (laughs) i'm all for that uh, so yeah, these guys look really cool, but that's, you know, I don't know who's, who's sculpting for them or, you know, why they make what they do, but yeah, they do creatures, dwarves, goblins, orcs, mythology. Yeah, I like their wolves, too. They're werewolves. So these are really neat. And some of this stuff is really interesting to me because I'm kind of starting to get toward, uh, playing Frostgrave, which is, you know, figure neutral. You can bring in anything that you think is cool and, um, Yeah. I think it would really work for that. I love their uh, snake lady they've got there. She's 25 bucks. She looks kind of big. Anyway, you'll see this in the show <laughs> notes, and uh, there you go. Moving on to the Chewbacca and Wookiee Warriors are out. That's right. They are out. They are sitting in front of me waiting to be painted. I was super surprised to see them at the at my FLGS. Yeah. Did you get them, Roy? I, I have not yet. I decided okay. that, you know, I I got to paint stuff first. I know. So. I still got other stuff to paint, too. But these guys are probably going to be the next thing that I paint just because I really want to get at least Chewy on the board. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I uh, I enjoy painting the individual figures more than I enjoy painting like the, the troops. You know, if I have to paint five or uh, yeah. six at once, I just want to get them done. But if I'm painting Han or Leia or Chewy, I'll take more time and enjoy them. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's a lot out, and I guess the next thing to come out is going to be the uh, the the support guys, you know, like the medics and the officers and stuff like that for Legion. So I still haven't played Legion in a couple months, and but I have enough painted now that I can actually go back and not not be embarrassed to put stuff on the table again. So I'm hoping to hoping to play next week. So quite a while ago, I bought some. Uh some loose minis on ebay from the um uh the wizards of the coast version of of star wars uh-huh and uh so i have i have a bunch of gonk droids i bought all droids because i was running <laughs> a uh, uh paranoia game and i wanted yeah. to have some some bots and stuff so i have a bunch of gonk droids and i have some astromech droids and so like i think it'd be kind of cool to proxy some of those in there like because the the support units there is an astromech droid, uh, I think. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, rem- I don't anyway. remember. I know there's a there's like a a medical droid. I know. I know there's officers, and I can't remember what else in the support stuff. But um, yeah, so those those uh, wizards of the coast. Do you know are those the the uh, the same scale or close enough? I don't know. Um, I would imagine that. They might be close enough to at least if you're just looking at hacking some of your figures. I've 
I've seen, I haven't done any of that myself, but I've seen some interesting hacks that other people have done. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the, uh, the Star Wars Legion subreddit, there's been plenty of, yeah. like I saw a, a terrain piece that was the crashed escape pod with, uh, uh, 3PO and, and R2D2 standing next to it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So. Now I actually played that Wizards of the Coast game. Yeah. Uh, way way back in the day. Um, and was that called Star Wars yeah. Miniatures? What was it? I'm trying to remember what it was so. called. That's the, what I'm remembering, but I could yeah. be wrong. It was a dead gummit. Do I remember it correctly? Being a collectible miniature game. Yep. As it? Yeah, yeah. Because that's right. It was blind purchase. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they kind of they mix the errors. You know, you could play, you know, Yoda with you know Palpatine. Yeah, all this different stuff. I, yeah, the shop I was in, gosh, that was like almost twenty years ago. Got really big into that mm-hmm. uh, game for a while. And uh, yeah, I want to say the scale ought to be about right. Maybe a little smaller, mm-hmm. maybe. But I mean, for like. Uh, 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 droids and stuff. I think you ought to be fine. Yeah, and they're all pre-paints too. So, and I'm sure there's probably you can probably buy lots of them on on eBay. Oh, that is true. Oh, yeah, that also reminds me. Um, <clears throat> one way you can get a uh, a Legion scale at at right now is if you go to <laughs> Disney World, they have the theater right by. MGM or whatever. Anyway, they have an AT-AT popcorn bucket. Yep. So that is available now. Yes. Okay. I had I had my brother who lives there pick me up one, and I got one myself. I, I got it from him at Thanksgiving. So I have a Legion scale AT-AT. So uh, is it? Um, how does it look? It's not. It's not cartoony. No, okay. it looks great. It's just not uh, painted. You mm-hmm. know, it's just gray. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, is gray. So if you wanted to, you could hit it, uh, you could base coat it, paint it, hit it with a wash, whatever you wanted to do. And I've seen a lot of people, like, chop them up and make terrain out of them, you know, where they've, they've fallen over and crashed. Mm-hmm. And that stuff looks really cool. But uh, I don't know what I want to do with it. I'm, You know, I kind of don't want to turn it into terrain. I guess if I got another one from him... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if he would is willing to buy me, spend another fifty bucks and <laughs> buy it uh, for me, um, yeah, then I chop up one for terrain. But I don't know. I kind of just want to have it, you know, out there. I know a lot of people are getting like scale models and uh, making like hangers and stuff, mm-hmm. or putting like uh, a Tie Fighter or an X Wing on a yeah. landing pad. I saw that, that one looks too. Really, co- it looks really cool. They have the uh, like the snap tight plastic models, but I'm not sure how that how that scales. Uh, there is a particular um, one that is it is correct or it's close enough mm-hmm. to Legion scale. Uh, you can ask them in the subreddit whatever yeah. it is. I want to say it's Revel. I, I think it's some Revel models. Okay. Are the right scale? So it seems like I've seen some paper craft stuff that people have done too. Really? Yeah. That'd be cool. It's probably oh. 3D printed stuff out there too, especially if you're just looking at like making a, a crashed X-wing or something like that. Oh, That'd yeah. be pretty easy to 3D print. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we had on here was Rich's learning Agricola. Yeah, it's uh, I picked it up at the Hollandspiel 
uh, sale last month. When was it? I guess I got my games a few weeks ago, and I just busted it out. It's another solitaire game, so it's on my on my radar because it's on my table right now. It's pretty fun. It's uh, you play. It's not the uh, not the farming game, but you play an actual Roman general who who was named Agricola, and uh, you know you gotta you gotta beat down the Britons and bring them back into the the Roman way of thinking. So so far so good. I'm having fun with it. Yeah, I love how people um you, that make the jokes that like oh hey they're uh you know it's it's Agricola but no it's this version no where do I put my farmers and yeah so <laughs> I dig that so um I guess the next thing we have we're gonna kind of do a little retrospective on the year uh, 2018 we're gonna talk about you know. The best game we played, the one we played the most, the worst game we played, what we're looking forward to, and the best one of 2018. And Rich is going to start us off. Yeah, so I figured we'd just go category by category. But the the best game that I played this year, it didn't come out this year, um, but I think it's Twilight Imperium. I played it for the first time this year, and it instantly skyrocketed to my tied, probably tied for my favorite game, that and ASL or just my two favorite games. I would play Twilight Imperium every single Saturday if I could. So what about you guys? What was the best game you played? For me, I was, uh, it's gotta be Saga actually getting, you know, getting to that second edition of that game and actually getting an interested group in, in my uh, local area. And that's the dark age skirmish game. If you yeah. know what that was, you get so, to play that one a lot or is it just something you got to play once a month? Okay. Once cool. a month we meet and we play. So the best game I played this year is one particular game, and I'm going to call out my friend Dana, uh, <laughs> who owns Kalus, and I, I handily beat him. And so uh, if he's listening, it's, I'm, I'm up for a rematch. You're still rubbing at his nose in. I, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Isn't Dana a girl's name? No, well, yes, it is. Oh. But Dana uh, Carvey. Yeah, Dana Dana Brown and uh, and Dana DeVries, who is is the the, the friend in question. All right, the game you played the most? Yeah, so mine was actually pretty – I actually looked at my board game geek uh, listings, and it was uh, was Time Stories just barely. I I played Time Stories, I think, one more time than I played Pandemic Legacy Season 2. But I figure Time Stories is actually playing – um, lots of different scenarios and pandemic season two wasn't a way to, but it was just one box that we played over and over again over the course of the year. So, but time stories, we actually started it playing it this year and we played through every single available time stories module. So we started and completed that game this year and we'll probably, uh, start looking at some fan made modules as well, but time stories for me. What about you, Roy? Uh, so I played Century. Well, you know, I asked my wife about this, and she said I think it was probably Century Spice Road, and that sounds about right. Um, so this is uh, Emerson Matsuuchi is a game designer, and he uh, it's a it's a game of trading, and uh, you're 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 collecting spices and turning them in in particular combinations for points. And that one is uh is part of a trilogy, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's is the that, first is, in a trilogy. Is that your favorite of the three? Well, they don't have the third one out yet. I've, okay. I haven't played the second one uh, nearly as much. Uh, and there's a way that you can put them together, but I haven't done that yet. For me, it would be Flames of War. 
getting that off the ground and uh, being able to uh, actually do tournaments and stuff like that. I've played that more than anything. Yeah, I really hope that Legion starts to take off more. It's 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 just so slow in getting going. And even though FFG is starting to announce some tournament stuff, no one in town is doing any of it. So it's it's kind of discouraging. So it's good that you're yeah. getting to have some tournament stuff going with your Flames of War games. We're talking about that at at, at our store too. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that like all kinds of people bought it, myself included, and nobody comes out to play it. That's and, yeah, that's what's really crazy yeah. is here in St. Louis, it's all sold out. Like you can't find Chewy and Wookie Warriors anywhere in stores right now. So everyone's buying it, but no one's playing it. So I don't get it. <laughs> That's you know I really wish that that game stores had would maintain a kind of a list of who bought this and yeah that to yeah. to connect people who want to play like well I have a painted army but I don't have anybody to play it with so I'm sure there's plenty of people like that and if if there could be some way to bring those people together that would be awesome yeah I I don't know I mean like the best thing I can think of is the um like your your maybe um your local facebook group or something like that but even then it's you know i get on there and we talk about it and people talk well you know i'll i want to get out there and do it eventually but you know it just i don't know Mm -hmm. it never happens and i maybe there's more people like myself than i realized (laughs) that just buy a bunch of stuff and continually buy and just never play it i don't know yeah, I saw oh, no. someone on Twitter was making a joke and said, I was looking at my board game collection and I opened one of them up and did you guys realize you can actually play these things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and see, that's the thing uh, with board games. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, the the real estate it gets with uh, with that kind of, yeah, and to not play it. I know my own self. And of course, at least with me, I'll do a purge, you know, every three to six months like okay this thing is sat around forever let me let me get rid of it and nothing makes me angrier than turning around and buying it again in like six months (laughs) or a year you know i hate rebuying like dadgummit i didn't play it last time why am i buying it this time because it's on sale (laughs) i'm the worst with that anyway speaking uh, of worst yes the worst play the worst game you played this year for me, it had to be Chile 73. I didn't play a lot of bad games this year, but that one just, we wanted to like that one so much, and it just fell apart. And it, for a while, we were saying, this game feels like it deserves another chance, but I don't know that it does anymore. So it, I, I might play it again at some point just to see if maybe it gets better, but with other games out there to play, it, it, it just fell flat for us. What about you, Roy? So apparently eminent domain <laughs> is my white whale. I just I don't like it. Um, so yeah, I I guess that's that's the worst. But I do have a, a dishonorable mention to a, a game called Talk Talk Woodman. And so this is a game that uh, somebody at my FLGS is a is a huge fan of. And uh, my friend Dana talked about playing this game. And essentially it's it's a more loud and annoying version of uh, Jenga. So you have uh, these plastic uh, 
wood pieces. So there, it represents a tree trunk. So you you click all the bark onto the tree, and you stack them up, and then you have this little axe that you hit the the sections of tree with, and to knock the bark off. But if you knock the tree over, then you've lost. So you're collecting sections of bark. It just I don't know. It's like a a game that a that an eight year old would like. Um, and so for this guy to be so crazy over this this talk talk woodman game, I don't I scratch my head over it. All right, Rich, what are you looking forward to next year? So I've got to be in my bonnet that I really want to play or even moderate a moderated war game. Um, it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. I've heard of other people doing it. They're pretty rare, mostly just because I think. Um, it's hard to find a group that's willing to do it, but I think I could put together a group and just, um, for, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, basically in any war game, you've got, you know, some, a couple opposing sides, you know, maybe several opposing sides in a multiplayer game, but there's always, you can, you can, you can look at fog of war in a different ways. You can have block war games or only looking at the back of the blocks. You can have concealment counters like an ASL, but anytime you do any of those, you can still sort of tell what's there, even if you don't know exactly what's there. But in a moderated war game, the two teams or two players are completely separated, usually in different rooms. And then there's a referee that goes to like from room to room. And basically, until you actually get in line of sight of the other guy's troops, you have no idea where they are. So it, it really matches the real fog of war where you're going to have to send out, you know, depending on the era cavalry to scout or send out airplanes or blimps or whatever to try to figure out where they are before you can actually move in force and i've always wanted to play a game like that or at least referee it so i can see it played so i'm really hoping to do that next year now um in my world miniature gaming uh i have a friend that is really big on what he on double blind games is is what we call it it's where you have basically the game board the, the miniatures are set up exactly the same. Right. Two two separate boards, one huge, uh, you know, piece of foam core in between it, and then um, the referee watches and like, okay, you are you advance down the road. Oh, you know, you ran into there's a tank there. It immediately shoots you, and there you go. So yeah, he he loves yep. doing double blind games, uh, either World War Two or BattleTech. Yeah, and that's basically what I'm talking about. There's a there's one called Kriegspiel, um, which is a, a famous one that does that. There's a another more modern one called uh, it's called like City City Battles or something City Fight. It's called so that one looks interesting too. But there it's the same idea where you've got you know you can't see what's going on until the referee tells you that you can see it. So what about you, Roy? Uh, what are you looking forward to next? Well, year? so you know we're gonna go to Dice Tower Con together. That is I true. think that's going to be cool. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Uh, yeah. So I forgot about that part. Yes, that that <laughs> is the best part. Um, yeah. I'm even oh. taking my uh, my 18 year old daughter out there with me. That's going to be her oh, okay. graduation present. She's going to come out there as well. So. Okay. Cool. Uh, I want to get some Star Wars Legion played someday, and I'd like to build a nice terrain board and maybe something that's uh, portable. That I, you know, looks nice and it will fit the uh, the four by six requirements for Legion. Um, but it'd be nice to have something that's, you know, I can throw some scenery up on and and have it look nice. 
And I want to do some uh, more. Oh, yeah. For your train board, have you thought about like volcanic or snow or forest or anything like that? No, I think it's probably just going to be just, I don't know, a regular. I I guess I don't know. Uh, I like the idea of something, you know, with maybe some craters and things in it. Um, I have one that is uh, about four by four that's uh, knocked down and it's uh, it's in hexes. So it has two inch hexes across it. And then I've just painted it green and I fly specked some orange and and uh, yellow onto it to look like a little bit of vegetation. But it's not the right size for Legion. So I'd like to make something that would, you know, be more compatible with that. And then finally, I'm looking forward to uh, doing some role playing with my nine year old. So what is uh, what is he or she want to play? Um, oh, the my, the my Little Pony RPG. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, that one. And so we we had one little introductory D and D game quite a while ago, and she got real nervous and and uh, you know she kept apologizing, saying, "Well, I'm I'm new at this and everything," so it was cute, but. I like because she loves that imaginative play, and so I'd like to get uh, get some more of that going on with her. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, for me, it's I have ran into this th- thing called Kanban Flow, and that's can with a with a K. You can go to kanbanflow.com, and this is allows you to uh, organize projects. And I'm super excited about finally getting all my ducks in a row because I'm finally seeing the end of a year-long English Civil War in 15mm project. I have less than 20 blisters left to get painted. And, um, yeah, so I decided, I looked around, I asked questions, and this will help me see what I need to get painted, what I need to buy, and uh, build for, you know, just ideas of like, hey, you know, I've got a, like, I had a 40K army idea and what I need to buy, when I need to buy mm-hmm. it, and where to get it painted. So I'm excited about getting things done. So, so do you start with saying, like, okay, I want to have a painted 40K army in a month? So, uh, no, or no, whatever. No. I know, be- <laughs> I know better than to ever come up with a timeline. Okay. Because <laughs> painters are weird, finicky folk. You never, ever don't expect a timeline and certainly don't give them one because it never, ever works. Okay. Just be just be surprised mm-hmm. when you get that email that's like, hey, I want to confirm your uh, your mailing address and your final, uh, you know, uh, payment is this much. And you're like, oh, yay. All right. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're they're weird. They're weird cats, man. They are. <laughs> and sometimes you have to, like, you know, kind of, like, stay on them. Like, hmm, I haven't heard from that guy in about three or four weeks. So I better uh, message him out of the blue and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, I would love to be able to schedule it that way, but it doesn't work that way. No. I, I have, like, one guy. The guy doing my historicals is the closest that I, I can get to that's actually kind of on time. Once he gets it... It's usually about three weeks turnaround every time, and um, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of other clients, and uh, yeah, but no, 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 no. I'm, yeah, I'm hoping to actually get some projects done, because like I said, I've been cleaning, and I've noticed, like, oh my gosh, I've had these six millimeter Napoleonics in here forever. I should probably do something with them, and yeah, <laughs> just stuff like that. So anyway, 
Uh, on to news. And uh, the first thing we have is Dish Dash Games running pre-release deal for Ultra Combat Normandy. And the whole kind of reason why I want to stick this on here and why it's on the it originally was on the tail end of uh, what's on your radar is I was not familiar with this company. And usually I'm kind of... I know who's been putting out um, war games. Have you heard of these guys, Rich, at all? I have not heard of them at all, but um, yeah, I was reading the article earlier because that's how you posted it, and it, it looks interesting to me, but I can't... It doesn't look like it's a minis game. It looks like it's maybe something like Combat Commander, a, a card-type game. Is that what we're looking at? That, yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Like, uh, looking at this company, they do like they do some skirmish, uh, modern skirmish rules and stuff like that. And this, I think it's going to be closer to just a straight-up card game instead of a card um, hex encounter game. But uh, they also do miniatures and all this other stuff. But this and- looks... Just like it, it, it does say it is a fast-paced set of squad-level skirmish war game rules uh, for close-range combat that occurred around Normandy. Blah blah blah. It's basically up to a platoon, uh, supported by tanks, AT guns, and uh, heavy weapons. And but it also says it's cards. So right, I don't know. yeah, and the rule book is 178 pages. So I don't know it. it it's hard to tell from that description what's going on. Yeah, it's one rule book. Oh, yeah, one set of allied cards, one set of access uh, cards. So, yeah, you're going to have to get your own. Oh, they actually sell some miniatures here. You can buy some from them. And, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be more along the lines of bolt action. It's kind of what So a rule set for? Yeah, World War okay. II. Okay. Uh, a platoon level World War Two, I guess one to one scale. Yeah, I mean it sounds exactly like bolt action. That that is bolt so action. So it is a rule set though, for for yes, miniatures. It is a rule gotcha. set. Yes, for miniatures. Okay. <clears throat> but you know they toss cards in there is kind of a, a gimmick. So mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. So the next thing we had, Modifius Modifius releases uh, John Carter of Mars in RPG core rulebook in PDF. I actually was looking at this on um, drive-through RPG earlier today. I dig what, what would you consider this like fifties pulp is, is kind of where it's at. John Carter's or super old, I think. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's probably older than that. Twenties uh, pulp yeah. science fiction, you know, it's like where we had no idea that you couldn't breathe on Mars, you know, and, and all this stuff. And I may be the only guy in the world that actually liked that dumb John Carter movie. I hear it was great, but of course it's, it tanked. Yeah. Uh, and to me, like one of the reasons why it tanked is because they just named it John Carter instead of calling it John Carter of Mars. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah. So, anyway. So they're putting out a rule set for it. I dig this kind of stuff. I'll definitely get it when it goes on sale and read it. Um, I know with Mordifius, I kind of wait on their stuff. Uh, like Star Trek Adventures came out, and it was expensive, and then it dropped really cheap. They're also doing uh, Tales from the Loop. And uh, they have Vampire the Masquerade now. And I've actually been waiting on the PDF of it to drop 
uh, a bit more, or at least go on sale, because I don't feel like paying $23 for it. And we'll actually talk about why they're producing this later on in the show. So, moving on. I thought this next thing was really, really neat. This comes from Mongoose Publishing. They have put out an adventure for Traveler, Mongoose version of Traveler, called Naval Adventure 1, The Shakedown Cruise. I thought it was really cool because, to to my knowledge, to my limited knowledge, you do not see a lot of Traveler uh, scenario. What do you call these? It's not a scenario. It's a... A module? A module. Yeah. yeah, basically a module. You don't see a lot of these that are done from a military point of view. And essentially what this is is a new captain and senior crew have taken over the ship... And she's an older vessel, just out of her second midlife refit. And, uh, yeah, you, she's taken out on a shakedown cruise, and, you know, shenanigans happen. Hmm. And, you know, this is Traveler. It'll probably blow up before you ever leave the dock, you know, if you if you roll incorrectly. But I just thought it was kind of neat, and it's definitely something that um, I want to play. I buy a lot of Traveler stuff, and I read it, and I don't know if I would ever actually sit down and play it, but, you know. You know, I have been thinking about doing something, and this is where it comes in, if, like, if we had, like, you know, 2,000 listeners or whatever, as a Patreon thing, I would I thought about doing Drunken Dungeon Mastering, like, on a Friday night, <laughs> where it's, like, me on, like, Roll20, and I'm taking you through what whatever it is. I, it would probably be something like Dungeon Crawl Classics or something, where, you know, you can die, and uh, it would be Drunken Dungeon Mastering. I'm taking you through the module, and I'm using only, like, uh, all the, the stuff, the images and stuff you see, the characters and all that, will be taken from, like, Google Images. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I just pull in and do stuff like that. I don't know. It sounded better in my head, but, yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be fun. Well, I'm in. <laughs> Moving on. Um, this, since we uh, talk about Kickstarter so much... Uh, this article came across uh, my Twitter feed, and this is from a company called uh, Gnome Stew, and this is about it's called Kickstarter Kindness and You, and uh, it's kind of like the aftermath of a failed Kickstarter in the sense of it was successful, but you don't have enough money to uh, actually complete it. And, like, one of the things it actually links in here that I have no idea, where there was a, a non-gaming-related Kickstarter uh, that caused the guy to kill himself. Oh, man. You know, um, it was uh, Ernest Wright and Son Limited, these handmade scissors in Shetfield, England, is, is what it was. And it was, like, it was a 248,000-pound uh, Kickstarter, and apparently they ran into a lot of different troubles uh, with it, uh, from people getting sick and blah blah blah. So the guy ended up like killing himself, and he actually apologized to the Kickstarter backers in his suicide note. So I was like, "Dad, gum," you know. I had no idea, you know, uh, that it was that bad. But it's this article is about the guy that it's his Kickstarter and um. He, he talked about, you know, just what it's going at, you know, people saying horrible things about you online and, you know, 
Yeah, and all this stuff. And it talks about Kickstarter may be a wonderful platform where projects may otherwise be available. It's not perfect, but they have the power to make it better. And you want more compassion, honesty, humility, and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. You do kind of get into the, well... I paid for this. Now I you know, I don't mind it coming out late. It's gonna make me mad. I mean there's that's I'm not gonna lie about that. If if it comes out a year late, two years late, whatever, I'm gonna be mad. But you know, at least I get something and that's what I want. But if you take, you know, a hundred bucks from me and you took two hundred and fifty thousand from a lot of people and then just give us nothing, yeah, we're gonna be angry. I don't think you should kill yourself over it, but da- I mean you can't you can't fault me for being angry and for perhaps saying unkind things at you about you whatever, you know, cuz we did pay money. I mean, to me the whole idea of Kickstarter is is stupid, you know, and <laughs> apparently a lot I mean, I've never said that before, guys. I know this is big. It's dumb. And um and apparently Anybody can get on there, and a lot of people are getting it over their heads. It's like, oh, I just want to make this little D&D module and whatever. And $500,000 later, you know, I'm driving a Porsche, you know, because I need that when I go pick up the copies and to drop that off. And, yeah, and shit just gets mismanaged. It's people that have never had a company or companies that have never had $500,000 before. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it should be regulated better or something. I don't know. But wait, yeah. We, after my after my case of beer Kickstarter, though, then it can be regulated. So moving on, um, the next thing we had was essentially White Wolf Games has folded up again. I think this is for the fifth time, <laughs> so, you know, at this point. Uh, we talked and, about this recently that they had. Uh, right. Yeah. Yes, that they they were in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. We talked about them being in a lot of trouble, and the gist of it is they decided to write in some real-life stuff and say, well, you know, it, the people that did it were vampires, and that's why the bad things that happened in Sarajevo or wherever, So, which caused a lot of feedback and what have you. We told you about that, but what this what that caused was White Wolf to basically fold up. And Morpheus will take over. And uh, there you go. So they own White Wolf now, I guess. And will continue to put out Vampire the Masquerade stuff. Probably in a more sanitized format, I guess. I don't know. But uh, a lot of people are happy about it. And just about the same amount of people are very angry about it. So, I don't know. It's it it is weird to see that kind of and I talked about this you know when we talked about it is you know White Wolf was always very edgy mm-hmm. and adult and and stuff like that and I don't know maybe there's just not really a place for that anymore you saw the backlash with uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess I don't know yep we'll see speaking of geeknative.com produced a list of the, well, I mean, it's actually just they used the numbers, of the best-selling sci-fi RPGs of 2018. And this includes sales figures from the 1st of January to the 11th of December and drive-through RPGs genre tags. So there you go. 
And number one, well, I guess we'll just go from ten. Let's count it down like David Letterman mm. did. You kids know who David Letterman is, don't you? <laughs> anyway. We're older um, than you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just speaking to the audience. <laughs> um, number ten is one I want, and I talked about putting something in my drive-through RPG um, uh, uh, cart, so I remember to buy it if it if and when it goes on sale at Christmas. Is the index card RPG, second edition? Have you got you guys heard about it other than me just talking about it? No, no. that's the first time. It's it's I think it's just kind of cool. It's it's a really cut down rule system. I love the artwork in it, and um, yeah, you can print out and just do these little standees, and it all just seems super duper neat to me, and I I really want it, <laughs> and I was very happy to see it was number ten. Number nine is the Star Trek Adventures core rulebook from uh, Modifius, ever how you say that. This is one I bought, um, yeah, I want to say it released at 20. I think I bought it, it's gone on sale down to 10, and um, yeah, it's pretty neat. I wouldn't mind actually sitting down and playing this, because they have some really neat miniatures available for it, but they're kind of expensive. If I got those on sale as well, yeah, I'd sit down and uh, kind of do a little miniature game with it, I think. Mm-hmm. Number eight is Scum and Villainy. We've talked yeah. about that. I don't I don't know why it is as popular as it is, but it is very popular. It reminds me a lot of um, Firefly. Well, you can also uh, play it as seven. a Star Wars yeah. version, right? You can kind of... Scum and yeah, Villainy? Yeah, you can kind of scale it back and forth based on what... Uh, property you want to rip off. <laughs> hmm. Really? Yeah. It is, it is a forged in the dark game about a spaceship crew trying to make ends meet. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that sounds like Firefly. But Yeah, it is. And of course, once again, we're, we're back to um, uh, Blades in the Dark, which is done by uh, yeah, the people that do Fate and we mentioned earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, Dad Gummit, these games must be awesome. I should mm-hmm. buy them. And I will if they go on sale. That's that's what I'm waiting on. Sale, because I'm a cheap gamer. Uh, number seven, six, and five are all Shadowrun, which really surprised me. That would be the 5th edition core rulebook. I can't believe we're in 5th edition. I swear I thought we were in 2nd or 3rd, maybe. Uh, the advanced combat rules, and then the advanced matrix rules. Uh, are you guys familiar with Shadowrun at all? Yep. I, I'm familiar with it. I've never played it, though. So I have a copy of 2nd yeah. Edition yeah, from the see, 80s. I rem- yeah, I remember it so much from back uh-huh. then, and it's such a cool idea. And in fact, I own the 5th uh, the Edition uh, core rulebook. I apparently picked it up at a sale or a Humble Bundle or something. Because as I click on it, it's like, you own this product. I'm like, oh, really? I should probably probably read it. I'm the worst with that. I impulse buy and then forget I have it. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. Uh, It's an older uh, IP. And Catalyst has it now. I want to say Fossa had it at some Mm -hmm. point. And uh, it's just a really neat idea. You know, trolls and wizards and all that stuff existing in modern times with, you know, we got magic and machine guns and all that fun stuff. So, And number four is Cyberpunk 2020. 
And this one's been on my list for a while, and it does remind me there is a Humble Bundle, I think, currently uh, for this game where you can get it and a, um, a bunch of other stuff with uh, the Cyberpunk 2020. If it is, uh, no, sorry, not Humble Bundle, Bundle of Holding. And if it is, I'll link it in the show notes. Bundle of Hundling. No, that's not it. <laughs> yes, the Bundle of Holding. Is it still available? Yes, yes it is. They, they also have Doctor Who, Ventures in Middle Earth, and Warhammer First Edition. All right, so yeah, the uh, Bundle of Holding actually has a Cyberpunk 2020 uh, collection. For just a few shekels, you can get a whole bunch of uh, stuff of this, which I think is really neat. Uh, it's again, it's very Shadowrun, only more tech, probably less magic. <laughs> Moving on to number three, the Genesis Core rulebook. I know this people were really excited for the release of this, but I kind of thought it was just a generic kind of rule set. Yeah, it is. I it's. Could, it's, yeah. the, it's the same system that FFG uses for their Star Wars rulebook. Um, it's it's the okay. narrative dice system is, I think, what they call it. But, yeah, it's the same one. The only difference is there's no there's no force dice. They do something else with them. I don't know what they call them in the, the Genesis system. But, yes, it is a generic system, kind of like the Cypher system, where you can just, you know, it gives you a generic set of rules, and you can do sci-fi or fantasy or whatever you want. Okay. And then they've got examples well, for each one, and I think they're they're starting to put out settings for each one too. Like Realms of Terranoth is the fantasy setting for the Genesis system. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've seen that one. It's got the big dragon on the cover. Yeah. If I if I remember correctly. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. So wow, that was number three in uh, yeah. the best selling things, for, and it's just a generic rule. Right. So it's so, interesting okay. that they put it in this list of sci fi RPGs, but. You can do sci-fi with it, but I mean, you could say the same thing about Cypher System, which is Numenera, which is sci-fi, or I mean, Fate or anything could be sci-fi. You could do D and D sci-fi if you wanted to. Yeah, and that uh, what what is uh the Pathfinder? Um, oh, Starfinder, Starfinder, yeah, which is not yeah, on this yeah, yeah. list, which is I guess a little a surprise. I maybe I it didn't come it, out this it, year. What, or it well no this is best selling of 2018. Oh yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to come out this year. Huh. So it just didn't do that well. Hmm. Uh, number two is Wrath and Glory, which I've oh, never even yeah, heard of. The, it's the new uh, 40k. Oh okay. Is, is okay. It not, am I right? Yes, it's Warhammer roleplay Wrath and Glory. Of course, this would be that high. Okay. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah and Ulysses Spiel. <laughs> put that out and um yeah so yeah because ffg lost the warhammer license so yeah now everybody has to to rebuy all their stuff so and uh number one stars without number revised edition which i kickstarted <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah as of this podcast you can get uh the pdf for okay you get it for 20 bucks but it's been on sale i think it's been as low as five and I, I think I paid uh, twenty or twenty five when I when I kickstarted it for the uh, the PDF option. You can get a lot of it for I free. Think. That is yeah. true. They they do they do put a lot of stuff out that yeah. way. So uh, moving on, um, 
I thought this was really cool, and um, I think I'll probably toss in a... I was originally going to start the show with uh, December's song, but this is it'll be Christmas Eve when we actually play this, so the Pogue song fit better, but I may do a musical break, you know, right in here. Anyway... This is a list from uh, Reddit. These are the board games the Decemberists obsessively play on tour. You guys familiar with them at all? I've heard of them. Yeah, but I don't. I couldn't name a song of theirs. They were uh, in a, an episode of Parks and Recreation. Yeah, really? I think so. The uh, the Unity Festival episode. I'm going to have to look okay. that up. I'll try to post it in the show notes. You know, too, because yeah, uh, when I was watching Parks and Rec, then I was not a fan because I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of them. They're now. kind of uh, folk, mandolin, kind of indie rock kind of people. Yeah. True. Yeah, and it just they just have a big sound and a good harmony that that I really really mm-hmm. like. I may toss a couple of songs that I really like on the show notes, see what you guys think. But they have Flamme Rouge here. Is, yeah. Is the first. There one. we go. Yeah, you know, that's it. And uh, Settlers is another one. Uh, I, mean, I think everybody should play Settlers, you know, at some point. But then move on to better um, games. Yeah, well, uh, the next the next one is Azul. Okay. Yeah. After that, they, they do Pandemic and Pandemic Le- Legacy. And last but not least is Illimat. Are you guys familiar I've with that I've never heard one? of that one. I have not heard of that either. Mm-hmm. Me neither. It's uh, some kind of card game. Comes from Rainy Day Games. About forty bucks, according to this. Oh, it may be some local published thing because this is a Rainy Day Games is a Portland game store. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Decemberists, so I just wanted to kind of just toss that in there. And uh, yeah. Oh, it says Illimat is sort of designed by them, according uh, to Reddit. Interesting. All right. And uh, the last thing we have here is Art and Arcana, a coffee table book. Yes. So I happen to see this at Target, and you can get it there for thirty-five bucks. And it is there's it is a book full of memories. So it's all the artwork, and the, there's uh, there's blurbs, there's plenty of text that kind of just describes the development of all these uh, of all these bits of art. So this is everything from version one chain mail all the way up through fifth edition and it's just like there's there's pictures in there that like you remember from um from second edition like how the second edition cover was designed and and interviews with with larry elmore and and just all sorts of people 
So I thought this was really cool. And as far as uh, a, a coffee table book that you'd want to have around, uh, this is one of them. Yeah, I saw when this came out a month or two ago, I saw a couple pictures people posted on Twitter from it. And it's obviously just beautiful. And if anyone's looking for a last minute gift, I wouldn't mind having that at all. Yeah. I uh, I bought it last month from uh, Amazon. Remember I told you about Amazon discounting their stuff? I paid 22 bucks for it. Nice. On oh, wow. Amazon. It's currently, as of this podcast, it's 30 mm-hmm. on uh, on Amazon with Prime. So it gets you that in uh, two days. So, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. I, for me, I you know, I'm a very big latecomer to D&D. It's always been it's stuff I started picking up when it was I could get it cheap in half price books or wherever and just started reading it. And so that was like in the late 90s, like early 2000s. And so, you know, not having played it, it's was really neat to see the different uh, stories and, and whatnot, you know, behind mm-hmm. it. So, just really neat. Yes. So it's uh, yeah, it, it looks really cool. So that brings us to the end of the show, of episode 120. And as Roy pointed out before we started out, uh, we're actually coming up on our year anniversary uh, in a couple of months. Which, wow, we've been doing this a long time. Uh, I had a you know a couple of guys respond to my to a weirdo's message on um, Reddit, and here mm-hmm. we are. You know, all these episodes later, here we are. And uh, yeah, hope you like it. And uh, so I guess we'll kind of just, you know, end this. And I hope um, Santa's going to be good to you. And I think we'll see you next year. Am I I thinking that right? Yeah, we'll be back in the new year. We'll be back in the new year, absolutely. So, uh, well, I I hope you don't get cold. I hope you get the games you want. And uh, I guess we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, like, hey, what did you guys get? I got this. Or I got a gift certificate from there, and you know I got this, and blah blah blah, and yeah. Yeah, we'll have. I got plenty like, of new games to talk about. I got a um, already got a uh, tattoo gift certificate, and that's what I did the other day. I will, I would like to point out when I post things on Twitter, and I posted this dumb thing. I don't know if you two yep. guys saw it. I was like, "Hey, I have a tattoo appointment today. Which one of these looks good?" <laughs> and it was the Steve Jackson Games logo <laughs> and the Kickstarter logo. <laughs> Well, one guy that was one guy that responded, it obviously doesn't listen to the show, and so he was like, he was like, oh, it, he looked at that, and was like, oh wow, you know, the the all seeing eye thing looks really cool, and he's like, but yeah, I don't think I would get the Kickstarter logo, <laughs> so I just I just let it go, you know, I was like, ah, whatever, you know, but you know, a couple other people were in on the joke and made comments about it, but yeah, you know, I'm like, maybe I could mash them together and get the the K on the um the pyramid and yeah so anyway (laughs) so thanks for listening and uh we'll see you guys next year merry christmas and happy new year good night everybody